Welcome, everyone, to the Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Would you come here to tug on your little doggy's leash? The Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 112, Home, is brought to you by Broad Daylight Ski Masks. Not suspicious at all for exchanges. You know, Pete, as we mentioned each time, of course, we're busy podcasting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. once a week. We've been doing Runaways once a week. And it, it occurred to me, watching this penultimate episode of The Punisher Season 1, here we started shortly before Thanksgiving. Here we are wrapping up shortly before Christmas. Uh, this is a strange show to be watching during the holidays, but it is at the end of the day. And this episode at the end of the day is an episode about family. Yeah, and you said it. I'll give you full credit here. This is perhaps the most harrowing episode of Marvel Cinematic Universe TV we have watched yet in the 200-plus hours that have aired. Indeed, there certainly have been more pleasant episodes of Marvel TV. There have been episodes that have bigger surprises at the end or more what-the-heck-is-going-on moments, but I legitimately finished this episode out of breath. Uh, which is funny because there's a lot of heavy breathing as people fight in this episode, but this not just is... fight. <laughs> uh, that's true. Um, <laughs> not just fight, indeed. But this is this is an episode that is a it is an experience to take in. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you recap it for us, Matt? Frank Castle is giving testimony to Madani with the promise of no deals and no guarantees. He outs Project Cerebus as a private death squad and names Schoonover, Bennett, Wolf, Rollins, and Billy Russo. Concurrently, Micro is counseling Leo, reminding her and the audience that Sarah and Zach are still out there. Micro then gives Madani testimony as well, the promise of the video to pin her whole case together, to give it to her again, that is. He promises that she'll learn that to get to these people... You need to act like them. And Frank reminds us of that, too, since he was the one who killed Ahmed Zubir. After the title card, Frank and Micro are in an empty lot, waiting for the deal to go down, transferring those two for Sarah and Zach. Billy's crew shows up to do just that, with Billy watching via a sniper rifle. It seems to go bad when Homeland Security arrives. Though Zack and Sarah make it out alive, Frank is knocked out and taken, and Micro appears to be shot dead. Frank hallucinates spending time with his wife and awakens to a darkly triumphant Billy. It's clear that Frank is being kept alive to get into Micro's computer, and of course they need him since Micro is dead. However, Micro is alive, a ruse of the DHS to keep only Frank in play. Micro is reunited with his family in a powerful scene that sees Sarah's rage, then hugging her husband, then being joined by Leo, then Zach. In the garage, a computer woman still can't get in, and Frank won't give up the passwords. Rollins arrives, putting on his beating gloves. It's not much to Frank at first, though as the hits rain down, he starts to hallucinate about his wife again. At the Department of Homeland Security, Micro explains that there is a reason for everything, the explanation continues with Madani, who is angry that Frank's hidden tracker was pulled off. Yet still, Micro will not betray Frank's location. Back at the garage, Frank is bloody and beaten, though Billy caringly cleans him. Frank comes around and is ready to give the computer passwords and be taken out clean and easy. He has Billy promise this. 
Indeed, Frank does unlock the computer, but pulls Micro's hidden knife. He stabs Rollins, but is ultimately taken down again. Frank awakens to the computer expert taking what's needed, and Rollins ready to beat and torture Frank. Back at DHS, Micro goes to Madani, ready to share more. He logs into her computer with her password and shows the live camera with Rollins and Russo on tape. Frank wanted evidence beyond what DHS would need. Back at the garage, Billy yanks Rollins off of Frank, but Rollins reasserts that he's in charge and Billy is a grunt. Unseen, Billy unsnips Frank's binds. Shortly thereafter, Frank is pumped full of adrenaline to be awake for his torture, but he breaks free, headbutting Rollins, stabbing him over and over, then putting out his eyes. Rollins is dead, and Frank laughs at Billy. Billy, who has lost everything but doesn't believe it, until DHS arrives. Frank seems to flirt with death, but in his hallucinations, he can't find Maria. He snaps awake, saying home to end the episode. An absolutely stellar episode in a season, Matt, that has yielded just blow after blow of places we did not think these shows could go. And here in this 12th episode, here is the quote-unquote over-the-top violence. But once again, it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't feel over-the-top, even though you have two men drenched in blood. It feels incredibly earned. It feels incredibly primal. Uh, Frankly, it feels wrong on many levels, even though we are once again rooting for Frank Castle in the face of someone who has done far worse. Uh, You then add to it, just this idea of, I mean, there were points in this episode where I was wondering, separate from the fact I know there's Punisher season two, let me suspend that for a moment. I was considering that they were going to kill off Frank Castle in this episode and someone else would be doing the punishing in the Punisher season finale. Yeah. I mean, had we not already had that announcement, I think that's a reasonable conclusion given how brutal I brought it up last episode because I I think there's a certain suspension of disbelief that goes on with how quickly Frank heals, not having any powers that we're aware of. (laughs) Um, But holy smokes, the the beating that he took in this episode and the glee with which Rollins dishes it out. I mean, I put Russo in our, uh, our our scope here first as far as villains, and I think that, um, you know, stems into our, our theories. But uh, Rollins here, just absolutely savage in terms of what he does and what he expects out of Frank. I I certainly would not give Billy a pass for anything, but I think Billy's narrative of events is one which has some degree of sympathy. He left Afghanistan clean. He was pulled back in. He was seduced by the money, the power, etc. And we've seen his reticence in prior episodes at doing the things which he is still doing and of which he is still guilty and deserves the punishing, which can only occur in the next episode. Um, but you're right, Rollins is the one who's who's taking a thrill in 
you know, in, in, in the pain, he, he beats on Frank a couple of, a couple of hits. And it's when Frank starts to get woozy, that's when Rollins takes that deep breath in, whether he's mm-hmm. breathing the blood spray in the air or just feeling his own, I don't know, his own adrenaline, his own masculinity, his own primal rage, whatever it is. That's a lot worse than, you know what, the guy who's hired to do a bad job, you know, a difficult job and he does it. And sometimes people win and sometimes people lose sometimes people live sometimes people die whether it's private security whether it's over in afghanistan that's more the world that billy is in rollins is just a a a chaos maker how bad of a person does it make me that i was so eager for frank to finally snap out of the zip ties and to end William J. Rollins of the Virginia Rollinses, uh, once and for all. I mean, look, we we've said in episode after episode, actor Paul Schulz is so good in this role and so good in in so many roles where he's kind of the sympathetic, not nice guy. Uh, I don't know how much Nurse Jackie you've seen, but that's kind of him in that. He, I, he he's he's an incredible actor and has this niche, which. You know, these characters that he plays are not vastly different, but he gets under your skin. And you, I don't know, there's just something about him. But yeah, to to wait all episode, and, oh man, it, is the zip tie, is it completely clipped? Is it all the way clipped? What's going on? Um, and, you know, the show could have gone for the big showdown. Like, whatever we're going to get next episode, I'll just assume it's going to end, you know, Billy, I finally got you, but it's this sad ending, killing your brother. This could be the big showdown, you know, Rocky versus Apollo Creed, and you want to see Apollo Creed go down. Instead, they go for just more brutality and make you look at the blood and make you... I mean, Rollins looks like a serial killer when he's drenched in blood and cackling and the one eye all all. Even the way they edited it with the effect of of Frank losing consciousness of being lured by the spirit of his wife there, the, the holding of the hand and the jarring nature of, uh, orange of, uh, Rollins there, uh, goading him and then giving him the adrenaline and everything there. I mean, it was an absolutely savage sequence and it was filmed and blocked excellently it's an astonishing episode particularly when you take into account that um i mean there's the fight the beating fight at the end which probably is not more than 20 seconds and there's the whole exchange action shootout other than that it's basically an episode where people sit around and talk the entire episode and that is not a slam in any way if I saw that up at the cork board at Marvel TV and, you know, I'm, I'm some higher up and I know they're spending Disney money, I might call that into question. But the proof is in the pudding for the, the results of this episode. We've been with these characters long enough where if they're going to sit and talk and talk and talk, they've earned it. And, it's, and occasionally it's punctuated by, by <laughs> I was going to say some violence, by lots and lots and lots of violence. And then with Billy... Um... You know, you you mentioned the the brother relationship earlier. Um, so early on in the episode, you're like, "This is it for the two of them," 
And we hit that point when Frank, uh, you know, starts to enact the plan, but it seems like surrender. Okay, I'm ready. Let me do this. And, and Billy made him the promise and he's intent, at least the evidence points to that he's going to follow through on this promise. And obviously the episode ends with him getting hit and being on the run. And, you know, Frank needs a serious patch job by the end of this episode. I mean, he got stabbed in the gut. He, uh, you know, was beaten with, uh, I love how he makes fun of, uh, Rollins gloves. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, this Billy Russo is a complicated, complicated bad guy. He's, he's top tier at this point, Matt marvel netflix yeah he is and i think it's because his backstory is less complicated than the man is now you know uh, the fisk stuff is great and the whole you know his whole childhood and i think of ward and his whole childhood and Mm -hmm. a lot of these people it's in their childhood yeah billy has his childhood troubles too but it's referenced in a single line being passed around from foster home to foster home. I mean, more than that, you know, in one of the foster homes, the, the, you know, the man tried to take advantage of him, but that's complicated. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to play that down in fiction or certainly not in reality, but the fact that here he is, that there's honor among, I guess I'll say thieves. I mean, I don't mean to disrespect Frank, but I mean, you know, let's say honor among thieves that, Hey, we've gotten this far all right, we're still on opposite ends, but I'll put you down clean and easy because that's what you deserve. That's what you've earned. Um, There's an honor to it among these men that are largely without honor, even though Micro thinks they are. I mean, you keep returning to it, Pete, and it's a great point to remember. How many people has Frank Castle killed at this point? I mean, this is not a paragon of virtue. This isn't even a guy who does the dirty job when we look away. This guy's a savage killer. He just happens to kill people that we in the narrative are okay with him killing. Yeah. And I, I ask again, does this make me a horrible person? Because, um, you watch this and yes, in TV in 2017, 18, uh, as we're turning a corner here, we tend to view things, I think with an eye towards desensitization. I mean, over on agents of shield a week ago, we had a scene in which uh, a, a muscle-bound man was fighting um, an 18-year-old girl and threw her around like a rag doll. And while I, I do not pretend to blanch at such things, um, I pointed out that it, it was rough to watch. Um, and, you know, we, we moved on from there and we had at least one, uh, listener write in and and say, yeah, Hey, thanks for bringing that up. Um, so I, I think increasingly about, you know, desensitization, I mean, the last numbers that I saw, there's seven and a half, um, simulated murders per every hour of TV in terms of, um, fictional content boy the punisher definitely uh goes over that (laughs) and you add the graphic nature uh in this episode which i think it's a good moment to just mention as an aside 
uh, I mean, it's already been stated, okay, when when the Fox deal closes with Disney, they're not going to, you know, PG-13 Deadpool. Um, yeah, guess what? They're already, they already haven't, which is to say, if they were looking to PG-13, the Punisher show, they would have. This is yes. the most violent thing that has come out of certainly Marvel, has come out of Marvel live action, period. Um, this episode in particular um i mean this is this is clearly r-rated for violence and without question Mm -hmm. uh i think there's even an argument to be made maybe outside of some of the specialty uh groups and shingles and labels that uh, that disney has had this may be the most violent thing made under the disney roof perhaps with the exception of some of the miramax stuff and i I don't mean that because of Weinstein, just because of some of the stuff that the Miramax label put out. But this is way up there, and and I think it's because the story demands it, and because a good story demands it. I particularly appreciated the juxtaposition in this episode between being knocked out and taking the beating that Frank does and this spotlight presentation of him, the the wedding dance, and then the uh, obviously the intimate scene, um, and we're leading up to the events of the day that uh, his family was murdered. Um, this poor actress who plays Maria, the number of times she's had to do the "Oh, sleepyhead, you needed your rest" scene. This poor woman <laughs> has had to say it what like. 10 times at this point and I get it rehearsal and everything like that. But, um, and, and the, the sorrow we feel for Frank in that this episode micro gets his family back and he takes a beating too. But I, I think any one of us would take the beating from a loved one that we're able to return to, uh, despite the, faking of his death or you know he didn't fake it so much as it appeared he was murdered and he just stayed underground to protect them um but frank's not ever going to have that and you know the the physical comfort sarah tried to provide him was under false pretenses and you know here this guy is taking the beating he's imagining his wife his wife is beckoning him into the afterlife to to you know just embrace it and orange injects him with adrenaline so he can further beat the crap out of him which obviously you know deliciously i, I hate to use that phrase here in in the true scope of the violence but we root with every punch you know, and eye gouge and and stab um, that Frank dishes out here. We definitely do, and it's definitely well earned, as horrific as it is. Um, I'll mention just in terms of a practical effect. I don't know how it is that they had that they had John Bernthal pushing his fingers into a dummy's head. But then yeah. the bottom half of that was still, I'm assuming, Paul Scholes. They're probably not going to... I mean, I can understand how easy it is to build a two-inch, you know, dummy face that goes on top of him. Like, I understand the, the 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 prosthetics behind it. The fact that it didn't look fake. The fact that it looked like the thumbs were going into a thing. And in your head, you're like, okay, it's not a real thing. But then the bottom half of the, the, the head 
looked real is just stunning. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> stunning and awful, don't get me wrong, but stunning nonetheless. Yeah. And uh, again, the brutality of that, the amount of blood that Frank has lost in this series, let alone this episode and the scene of Billy cleaning him up mm. and, and telling him, I'm going to make it quick. I'm going to make it clean. Um, you, you hate Billy, but somehow you appreciate him in those scenes. I, I, again, am I a bad person for thinking, wow, is, is there a possibility that they still have this connection with everything that's gone on? And that's where I just felt like, all right, are we going to get the reveal that, you know, he says he wasn't in on the murder. Boom. Was he the one that pulled the trigger on all three of his loved ones? It is interesting that the first, the first emotion that, that Billy's tenderness evokes is one of redemption, which that's what your heart feels. Then your head says, no, he's, he's unredeemable in this narrative period, whether they let him live or die at the end, regardless of how things go down. Um, it's th there's no way back for him and maybe that is because we the audience are becoming desensitized to this violence um i oftentimes think say with the walking dead the first two seasons you know you go to bed terrified at night and at a certain point the way any fictional narrative particularly tv and film can make you feel false false emotions you know you don't really you aren't really gonna miss you know uh, Jack Dawson at the end of Titanic. It's Leonardo DiCaprio and it's only a three hour movie or or whatever. The way that you, you know, the way that you cry at the end of this novel or this story or this movie, you know, it, it's not real. It's not a real connection that you have. Um, but maybe with Walking Dead, maybe we have PTSD because we don't feel scared the way we used to. Maybe with The Punisher, all this blood, we're desensitized to in a weird way in their narrative. So when Billy cleans him up, you say, oh, nice guy, even though, hold on, not nice guy. But, um, it ultimately is a credit to the show here to get us feeling halfway through the second to last episode that there still is some good in him. I just don't know. Uh, <laughs> and I guess that's a credit to the writing. It would be very easy to just make him a, a, a savage, merciless, unfeeling killer. But, um, you know, again, that that term brother and the, the bonds of soldiers together. Um, yeah, I, I I had a very hard time late in this episode villainizing Billy Russo. Well, Pete, let's talk some theories now. And here's one for you. And I like the word that you used before versus the word I was going to use. Do we, in some sort of palpable sense, do we see Frank interacting with the spirit of his wife uh, as she appears to beckon him to the afterlife? In what regard? I don't quite understand the... Well, let me put it this way. Do you think the show is committing to the possibility that that is actually her ghost, her spirit, her her essence, Um pulling him towards death if he wants to follow versus I mean, say listen, it's I, his hallucination. You know? I'm a, I'm a spiritual 
person, but given the way that it's presented, I think it's him. I think it's the idyllic version of her um, that he is imagining. You know, they they say with near-death experiences that every neuron in the brain fires simultaneously, and that's what creates the life flashing before your eyes phenomenon it's a real thing your hard drive is shutting down and it is replaying the greatest hits it is firing all these moments um as as it dies um so i think it's that um not that it's not beautiful that her spirit would be in some way easing him into it you know the old grandma, you know, telling you to walk closer to the light, you know, your dog is here and, you know, all all your, all your favorite people. Um, I think the spotlight being on both of them and that he's involved in it makes it his part. I, I don't like hallucination either because that to me rings false. This is clearly where his heart and his soul is at, but he's done terrible, terrible things. And the only solace he gets is that he may see his wife again. I completely, I, I can concur with what you were saying, or I can understand what you're saying. I can appreciate what you're saying. I just, I somehow read it as, particularly at the end, when she is not present, he goes to that, he goes to that place and she is not there. I kind of sensed he was he was ready to die. He hadn't mm-hmm. gotten revenge against Billy, but he knew Homeland Security was on the way. Billy Russo was now over. Even with him on the run, his life is over. Um, so, so mission accomplished, and he's ready to go, but she's not there. And what's nice is it can play either way. It can play both ways. It's one of these things where we don't need all the answers. We don't need... You know, we don't need something overt because that would take away from from the the potency of it in the context of that particular scene. I think that holds up the best that she is not there being that she's not receiving him. He's not going to be going at this point. Um, so yeah, that I could definitely see, but you, you look at the other scenes and their presentation. I mean, whoever came up with the idea, I thought the first time we saw, uh, the dancing, it was going to turn into a dance number, which I think strangely my mind was like, okay, uh, we can see this. (laughs) Um, and I certainly liked the way it was presented, but I I thought it was going to turn into like a, like a song, um, you know, that maybe they would sing or something. I don't know. Um, but it, it was unusual Again, juxtaposition, but really, really effective throughout this episode. Um, the the lovemaking against the beating, a, a little hard, I think, in terms of taking it in, um, figuratively speaking. But, uh, you know, again, there, there's been so little of this show, Matt, that you can't be consumed in. And the critics who said that this season was bloated i don't know what they watched i really don't there has not been any fat to these shows i mean they can be very difficult to watch 
but there's nothing that has been superfluous. Everything has mattered towards the story. You know, there's no, uh, Hey, we're going to go over here and do this for a while. It's, it's, it's been a, you know, pretty straight and narrow narrative. Particularly since I think the characters are so well flushed out, fleshed out that, that I don't know, there's just, there's a, there's a reality to them that, I don't want to say, you know, supersedes Marvel TV because the, the characters tend to be really good. But, I mean, as you say, there, there's no fat to it. I mean, the time spent, for example, with Madani and her mother, that's not wasted time. That's not, you know, a stunt thing to get another Middle Eastern actress in there or something like that. It's, it's at the right time in her time of need and all of that. Um, yeah, I would completely agree with you. There have been, you know, there have been so many seasons of Netflix where you just feel like, this needs to be going a little faster. And that was not the case with this at all. And we still have one to go. My goodness. I mean, like iron fist, sorry, Donna, um, being the biggest offender, I think, and even a little bit with the defenders, um, you know, there was a little bit of, of padding going on. This has been in every way, lean and mean television. It certainly has me reassessing the taste of Defenders in my mouth. I, I feel like Defenders is worse. It's it, it a bit worse because of this, because this is so tight and driven yep. around so few characters and so uh, uncomplex a narrative. I mean, yes, we've had this un, uh, unfurling mystery of uh, what happened in Kandahar, but it has just been the one mystery. It has just been get to the truth of it as you get to know things in it it hasn't been but it turns out that actually it wasn't heroin at all it was aliens you know i mean they've kept on the very <laughs> alien heroin <laughs> alien heroin yeah um i mean i would i know we've said before this is the best single season or the best story arc you know it's, it remains difficult to compare this against the agents of hydra uh storyline on shield last year um separate from that this is superior to everything else and then we can figure out who has first place but this this is either gold or silver regardless it's on the metal uh it's on the the, the metal platform here well matt speaking of gold and metals we want to bring up the precious people in the fantastic geek pod sphere and that would be our patrons on patreon.com they make it happen, Pete. And uh, as the Podbean man, you know, that's where we store all our stuff. As the Podbean man or Podbean woman, the Podbean people come along to get their uh, to get their payment. We are so glad to be listener supported, particularly as we look to continue to keep things moving for 2018. Pete, I know you tweeted it out <laughs> right before we started to record. How, As of right now, how many episodes of TV are we going to be podcasting in 2018? 72 <laughs> that's all and that's all it, i mean honest to goodness there are days you know i won't i i don't need to share with the audience some of the some of the particulars of my day today but you know pete in the real world you know luckily it wasn't there was some stuff going on nothing too close to myself but some some responsibilities that needed to be taken care of and the like and truly knowing on the one there were certainly points today where it's like oh, i cannot get in front of a microphone today there's just too much downer real world stuff and, and and whatnot but 
we get here and we look at the schedule. All right, Pete, you talk me into it. We we got to we got to do Punisher tonight because we want to be free. <laughs> we want to have a little time off for the holidays, and then we get here. You talked me into it. <laughs> well, bottom line is this: is it's because the audience is out there, and because the audience, it's not yes. just like oh, I listen. It's because of that support. Yes, the Patreon people, but the support in general that really has kept us going for the biggest year of podcasting that we've been doing and looking ahead to gulp even more next year. And, you know, we're so very lucky that every day people want to know what we think about this stuff. So again, that is a credit to you, the listeners. And, uh, thank you. I, I can't tell you how gratifying it is that, uh, you know, people, like our stuff and you know are continually seeking out our opinion on this well we're going to keep doing what we keep doing and um of course if people want to seek you out pete how can people do so where can they find you on twitter you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, nine thousand seven hundred twenty followers can't be wrong and while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you like. Visit fantasticgeek.com, email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. For those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast, we are going to be back tomorrow to talk the the fall finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Then they start the long break and it returns two weeks later. So right. good news there. No rest for the weary. Um, and Not then, weary. I, I don't think we're weary at all, man. I think we've been we're, – we're battle tested. Uh, I, I don't – I don't feel weary when it comes to uh, what we're doing here. There, there have been times when we've done this in the past and maybe listeners can go back and find a, a moment, but I'm not feeling it. I wholeheartedly agree. We have some holiday goodies for the, uh, for, for next week as well, but uh, wrapping up Punisher here in the, uh, in the shorter term and uh, indeed wrapping up, a, a you know, wrapping up a, shield for that little break and uh, certainly the home stretch for runaways so a time of transition star trek discovery off there those six episodes returning in january so hope springs eternal with that pete i will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word god damn frankie i'd love to watch you work <laughs> <laughs>